welcome to the Weekly Stuff Podcast with Jonathan Lack. And Sean Chapman. We are here as always to talk about stuff. Today, really just talking about stuff. This week's episode is just going to kind of be a random news assortment, stories, just shooting the shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the big topic, of course, is the trailer for Star Wars Rogue One. Yes. Which, spoiler alert, it was great. Yeah, really good trailer. And so that'll be just kind of our main hook for the episode, but we have lots of other little things to talk about. And then next week on the show, Sean and I will both... Sean is kind of going to be out of town. Yep, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to seeing Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, of course. That's I love musicals. I love all musicals so much, particularly musicals based off of cool like horror short stories and and movies that I really enjoy. This is yes. an in joke. If you've been listening, that's a musical Sean does not like. No. Anyway, we're going to talk. So Sean's going to be in New York. I am going to be here, but doing some other stuff. So it's just going to be a busy weekend. So we're banking two today, and on next week's show, we're going to do our long-awaited Uncharted retrospective. Yeah. Because Uncharted 4 is coming up, and we want to go back and look through the trilogy, why these games are so great, why they matter so much, what we love about them, and what we're looking for in the new one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited for that discussion, because we both very recently played through all of them, and we've been like kind of like poking at it in the podcast, but I really want to like yeah. get in there and Absolutely. rip it apart. If any games deserve it, those do. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to do all that, but today is just going to be some random stuff, and Sean, can I start with a rant? Go ahead. Okay, I have to start with a rant, because yeah. last week on the show, you told a very entertaining story about buying a new TV. Yes, do you which wanna... has, so far, the TV has been working really good. There was one scare I had one day where it was like, all the settings seemed to have magically reverted back but then at like but what actually happened was somehow the tv got switched to like a user two setting and so i had to put it back to user one that was bizarre that that was all and then also i really because i tried to play a couple of games on it and realized oh yeah modern tvs have a huge amount of latency which you have to go in and find a game mode buried deep into the menus to find a mode on the tv that will cut the latency down I did not know that. Yeah. Some TVs you need to do that for. So some don't have a big problem with it, but most modern TVs do. That's so weird. Yeah. I I don't really know what happens for everything else. If there is some sort of weird negative effect on watching movies, if the latency is really low for the screen, I have no idea. But just put your TVs on game mode, people. It's fine. Okay. Well, anyway, inspired by that, I wound up making... Three technology purchases this weekend. And by this weekend, okay. I mean Saturday and Sunday. We're recording this on a Sunday. Just yeah, in two wow. days. Made three technology purchases and have to return all of them. Okay. That's, this was my yeah. weekend. I had, just, give me a second, Jonathan. I need to strap in. I need to get ready because this. I, you did not tell me the details of the rant beforehand. No. I had no idea. Now I have an understanding of the scale of what this is going to be. So this go ahead. sucked so bad. So first, I, I finally I was like, I've been wanting to get a new TV for a while. I've been kind of not wanting to do it, A, because I really like my TV, it's just a little too small and it's getting old, LCDs when they get old have kind of light bleed, it's time to replace it, Mm -hmm. but you know, I I haven't wanted to for a couple reasons, one, because I like my current TV, like it's what I want and modern TVs don't always give us that, as we covered last week. Yes. Two, my, one, the house I'm in was built 20 years ago when there were full screen TVs, so the spaces are not made for widescreen TVs. Yes. Yeah. That's problem A. Problem B is it's in an entertainment center that really is not built for a TV too much bigger than the one I have. And the ultimate solution is I'm going to have to just replace all of that, and it's going to be such a hassle. I was thinking maybe I can just buy a cheaper TV that's like 50 inches 
and not any bigger than that, and it'll fit in there, and it'll be great. You yeah. know? Okay. Because that would be easy enough. Yes. Because everything else I have plugged into a receiver, it would be literally changing one cord is all it should take. Yeah. And then messing with settings, but that's you can do from the comfort of your couch at least. Yes. So that was my plan. I'd been looking at it for a while, measured the space... And knew how much, really it didn't matter the diagonal length, it was just the horizontal, what can I fit in that entertainment center. Basically came down to I can probably, and it's because bezels have gotten so much smaller is actually the big thing, is you can fit a much bigger TV in a smaller space because bezels are so small. And so I was like, I can probably get up to a 48-inch or a 50-inch. And my first stop was, and I'd gone there a couple times to scout out, and I finally went to Best Buy yesterday with the intent of I'm going to buy a new TV. Okay. They sell TVs there. I left Best Buy not buying a TV because I hated everything they had. Sure, yeah. The closest I came to one I would want was they had a Samsung 48-inch smart TV. I didn't want the smart part, but that was there. But like I told you last week's podcast, it's basically impossible to find something that's not a smart TV. Right. And... So I was like, oh, maybe, but it, and it was 450, which was oh, it was kind of it was a little outside my price range, but yeah, okay, it's a good price. But like, it had just certain things that were annoying about it. Like, it really was going all in on the clear motion and bullshit, and had like three different versions of it that I would have to figure out. Yeah, and it only had two HDMI ports. All the Samsung what? TVs only have two HDMI ports. Huh. Don't know why, but that's what they have. That's yeah, that's like three is the bare minimum for. A TV, I feel like I it should be yeah. yeah. So I finally, I, I just got fed up at Best Buy. All they had were TVs that in one way or another rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, I'm just, I'm going to sleep on it, whatever. And yeah. then I wound up going over to Target, which I never go to a Target. But once I got there, I realized, oh, right, I've bought my last three TVs at a Target. Huh. Why is that? Target is un- unexpectedly, they sell the right TVs. They sell good TVs at Target. Huh. This is something you wouldn't, because they don't sell, like, they do sell, like, you can get a Samsung and shit. But they also sell some of the brands that I like that are slightly off-brand, but don't give you the bullshit. Yeah. So my favorite TV manufacturer, my little TV I had in my dorm and my big one at my house right now are Westinghouse's. Those are really good, because they don't have the bullshit. You got your 60 fucking hertz. Yeah. Or 120. Either way, it's not too bullshit. They don't have stupid showroom settings, but they're just, they're good TVs. Now, unfortunately, the Westinghouse they had there was only a 50-inch and I needed it slightly, so it was just slightly too big for my space. And I was really sad because it was yeah. like a great price. It was exa- it had no bullshit. No smart TV. It was 60 hertz. It was everything I wanted. Damn. And I couldn't, it just would be a little, the bezel was just slightly too big. But right above it was a Vizio. And everyone on the internet says Vizios are really good. Yeah. And I was like, well, this Vizio is 48 inches. It's exactly the right space for what I have or size for my space. It actually has some features like image-wise that are good, like it's an LED with multiple color spaces, so it just stops light bleed. Like it's not, it's kind of a bullshit marketing thing, but less so than, you know, clear motion 420. Yeah, clear motion, super resolution, like all the weird, like, trademarked phrases they put on the whole thing on the TV. It was a smart TV, but they weren't, it wasn't like it was more expensive for it. And I'm, I don't mind the smart TV thing as long as it doesn't jack up the price because you can ignore it and maybe yeah. it could come in handy, you yeah. know? So as long as it doesn't, like, fuck with the price or the machine itself. I was like, you know what? I think this is what I've been looking for. This could work. This is 48 inches up from 40. That's a pretty big gain, actually. And, you know, I think this could work. It was cheap. It was like 350 I'm like, I'm going to do this. Okay. So I bought my TV, got it home, and the motherfuckers who made this TV, Sean. Yeah. Where do TV stands go? 
I mean on the bottom of the TV. In the middle, right? Oh, well, in the middle, yes. They go in the middle. Yes, yes, is they go fair? in the middle. Yeah, is it fair the middle for me at to the ass- bottom. Is it fair for me to assume that a TV with a stand, the stand would be in the middle of the TV? Yes, that's unless where I would like, put a stand. Unless it's like super big. I get if it's 100 inches. Might oh, be yeah, yeah. If, like, clearly the size of it would be that like you would need yeah. to have it on the edge. But a 48-inch TV, that is not the case. No. This Vizio, the stand was these two little fucking prong things on the furthest edges of the TV, and the way my entertainment center is, part of the TV would have to be over the edge, which is theoretically fine if the stand is in the middle. But you know what happens when one of the legs is on the end? There's nowhere for it to go. That's when you, you, like, get a bunch of Legos or something and build a giant Lego tower at the edge of your entertainment system. For it to rest on. And I tried with my PS4 box. <laughs> that was the best I had. And yeah. my Xbox One box. No, and I don't have any Legos. So, and there were a couple other issues with it space-wise. Like, my main measurement was correct, but there were some other things. And so, no. Fuck. So I have to return this thing. Yeah. I already have. But getting it back in the box was a goddamn nightmare. And I'd been really careful taking it out because I just knew there's always a possibility. Yeah. You never want to be too cocky with a new technology purchase. Yeah. Still getting it back in the box. Fucking styrofoam. I don't know how you can take it off, put it right back on the same way, and it doesn't fit anymore. Fuck you, styrofoam. Yeah. Anyway. Styrofoam. It's out to inhumanity. So that was technology fail number one. Okay. That That's was unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. That sucks. And of course, the great thing about buying a TV is that, you know, when you buy it, they'll wheel it out to the parking lot for you, and they'll be really nice. Yeah. Returning it, no, you have to get that thing in there yourself. Yeah. It's the worst part. And then I got it, oh God, and there was this whole thing just returning it, like the woman couldn't figure out what thing to scan on the TV, and she had to call these people. It's like, I bought the TV an hour ago. The yeah. dude who sold it to me is right there. This, my receipt is, just give me my money back. <laughs> Anyway, I literally didn't turn this thing on. I couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, so that was technology fail one. Okay. Technology fail number two, part of a larger headache where the computer I record this podcast on is a MacBook Pro, Retina Display, the, the current MacBook Pro. Yes. And I really like my Mac. For work, you know, working in an office, and I had been using a PC that they'd given me there. And it was an old PC. And as old PCs go, they get really shitty at a certain point. Oh, yes. You There's nothing like a PC from like... Five plus years ago in terms of making you want to kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah. This was like, you know, it had the Windows 7 badge on it. This thing was old. And it, it had finally... like the little like pencil eraser nub thing in the middle. <laughs> no, but it was. It might as well have. I don't even know. Like I could not tell you what possible resolution that thing was in. Yeah. It was widescreen, but probably not 720p. So I don't know how you do less than that at widescreen. Yeah. But anyway, piece of shit. A couple weeks ago, it just completely... With patooey, like PCs sometimes go. Yes. And so I had started bringing my Mac to work because that's, you know, I had to use something and they didn't have a computer ready for me. And so part of that is, although my Mac has great battery life, no computer has the battery life to make it through like a nine-hour work day. No, yeah. That's so, you know, my Mac can if I'm doing light things, but sometimes I have to do more intensive things. And anyway, so I often have to bring my power supply with me. Right. And sometimes I forget it at the office. Because it's down, you know, with all my other cables, and I'm running, and my job involves me going to a lot of different places. So anyway, this weekend I left the office, and I'd forgotten it. Always so, have two power supplies. That's my, that is this how is, I live my life. Well, and this computer is still relatively new, so I hadn't right. bought a second okay, power yeah. supply for it yet. And so this week, so Saturday, I realized, oh shit, Sean and I are going to do the podcast. My computer's at 25% battery. I can't do it on 25% battery. No, yeah. That would be very difficult. We could record a short podcast. We could not do one of our trademark two to three hour ones. Yeah. 
And that would just be sad. That thing could not withstand the Batman v Superman podcast. No, it could not. So I was like, all right, well, I do need a second power supply. I I don't I didn't want to buy that this weekend, but let's just do it. You have to sure, have two yeah, power supplies. Yeah. So it's I just frugal. And you know, I, I the the worst thing about Apple computers, like I don't get too up in arms about the price of Macs because whether whatever you like but think about Mac OS, the computers are really nice, and I yeah. think you mostly get what you pay for. But the one thing that is bullshit about buying a Mac is if you want a second power supply, they're eighty bucks. Yeah, and that's yeah, a lot because it's all proprietary. Like nobody yeah. else can really make them. No, so that's a little annoying, and it's proprietary. And at this point, they have a bunch of different ones. <laughs> so I thought I had done my research. I went to Best Buy again, fucking plopped down my eighty bucks and bought one. And I looked at the power supply, and it said sixty watt, and it said for a MacBook Pro, and I'm like. Okay, my Mac is literally, it says on the computer, MacBook Pro. Yes. This will work, right? I mean, the danger here is that Apple has a tendency, like, all they do is they just name every single one of their products the same thing. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's the iPhone, like, five. It said it's for, the MacBook Pro. Well, it said for 13-inch MacBook Pro and the new 12-inch MacBook, which is that shitty little one they have. Right. And I'm like, well, th- that's a modern device. This is the 13-inch MacBook Pro. This must be the one that works, right? And it was the only... It was this on the shelf and the bigger one for bigger laptops. So I'm like, this must be it. Yeah. It, it looked a little different than the one I had, but it looked like it would fit. Maybe it was just the, the one you don't get in the box is slightly different. That happens sure. sometimes. Yeah. So I'm like, okay... Get it. And again, I'm in. I'm already at the point of technological slide where I'm losing my senses from the problems. I mean, if you've made this many separate t- trips to Best Buy like that frequently, yeah. you fucked something up along the way. I know. I know. Something's gone horribly wrong. Yes. So anyway, this was just this morning. I bought this fucking thing, and then I got it home, unboxed it, went to plug it in. No, it's the wrong one. I look it up. Yeah. It's for the 13-inch MacBook Pro that I had when I was a freshman in college that I didn't even know they made anymore. Why is it the main one on the shelf? And why does it fit with their newest MacBook? What the fuck are they doing? Dude, don't ask me, man. That, that like, proprietary stuff is the thing about Apple that is the most infuriating. <clears throat> that it's like, there's no, like, if I lost my iPhone charger... I can't just go, like, find a mini USB cable somewhere. It's like, no, I have to go to the fucking Apple bullshit to find their specific charger. Because apparently using, like, a micro or mini USB cable is, like, against the will of Steve Jobs or something. I don't know. May he rest in heaven. So I had to go back to Best Buy again and replace this. Like I said, it's all fucked at this point. (laughs) Replace it with the 45-watt MagSafe 2. (laughs) This is the sequel. MagSafe 2, not MagSafe 1. And get that, which is in a totally different size box, and it was on the bottom shelf behind some shit. This is for... I have a new... This one was made in 2015. This yeah. is as new as it gets. Why is that not the main thing on the shelf? I don't I don't it. know. I don't know. I'm pretty tech-savvy, and they fucked me on this one. Yeah, no, great. like, I am totally with you that, like, it, that shit is supremely confusing when you're trying to just figure out, like... Is this the right kind of charger? Because it's like nothing is labeled properly. Oh, and the funniest thing is on the MagSafe 2 box, they give no indication what computer it's for. It doesn't yeah, say for yeah. anything. I had to look at a chart online on Apple's website, and so I knew I knew what I was looking for, so it didn't bother me. But I still was looking at it. It's like, if I hadn't looked at the chart, I'd have no idea what this is even for. It doesn't yeah. say what computers it works with. Why doesn't it? That should be just basic info on any piece of technology. What does it work with? No. So anyway, got that finally, charged my computer up, it's ready for the podcast, podcast goes forward. This was kind of an expensive podcast. Yeah. When you factor in the $80 charger and the gas money. <laughs> and, and just the psychological toll it seems to have taken. Yes. 
I mean, yeah, anyway, so there's that. On my now third trip to Best Buy this weekend, Fuck. when I was exchanging the MagSafe, I decided to make one other technology purchase. Because this you've like you're idea. in for a pity and for a pound like I I'm just digging so. this hole I had, all the way to China. Here's the thing. So I had been so my mom is someone who is slow to embrace certain things about technology. Sure. But many, I mean, many, many older people are. But I've been trying to get her to use streaming media, like Netflix and shit. Because we I, are, it, it's 2016. Yeah, yeah there's plenty. And, and honestly, if you want to keep on the curve of things you want to watch, and there's tons of stuff she wants to watch, you just can't get on direct TV or whatever. Right. You know? So it's like, I had been lending her my Apple TV, which I use for some of that stuff. But I kind of need it sometimes, and I can't just have her having it all the time. So I thought, yeah. okay, for mom, you know what? I'm going to do something nice. I'm going to buy her a Roku, which is that device. Yeah, it's there. like it's it's the thing that makes smart TVs completely obsolete and pointless. Absolutely. And, you know, basically my inspiration for this is her brother, her my Uncle Ron, who is much older than her. He's in his 70s. That dude uses a Roku. He, and that's, he got rid of his cable because he loved his Roku. If he can figure it out, so can she. Yeah, good on you, Ron. That's yeah. fucking badass. He's a 70-year-old pastor. Yeah. If he can figure it out, so can my mom. So I'm like, I'm going to buy a Roku. They have these new things that I think are really good for people who don't want to invest in like a console or something. These streaming sticks where yeah, you just yeah. plug it into your HDMI port and you're done. I thought, that'll be perfect for my mom because then all she has to do is use the remote and there's nothing else for her to deal with. This right. would be perfect. Yes. And if you have to troubleshoot, it's like a button on the back and it resets. I'm like, this will be perfect. It's 40 bucks. That'll be good. Yeah. So I bought, at the same time, I'm like, I'm already here again. I've been thinking about doing this. Why not just do this while I'm here? There's no way that's going to fail, right? I would normally say yes, but what the of this conversation. But my assumption made sense at the time, right? I'm not crazy. I, yeah, no, am I? I'm not, no, I am okay. not condemning you in the slightest. Bought the fucking Roku stick, brought it home with my new MagSafe, got that set up so my computer's charging. I'm like, great. Go up, and I, I'm going to help my mom set this Roku stick up. So I put it in the back of her TV, get it all set up. You just have to do a quick little thing to get the power running to it, nice right. and easy. And then I uh, get the remote ready, plop, pop in the AAAs, all that. And I'm like, all right, turn on. Nothing. Oh, no. Like, turn, uh, nothing. I'm like, Does, do I have to sync the remote? And I looked, and I'm like, no, it syncs automatically. So it's just oh. like no video signal at all? No video signal whatsoever. The Roku stick itself in the back of the TV has a light, and it's it's solid white, which in the instructions says is what you're, it's supposed to look like when it's working. Solid white. Okay, yeah. So should be good. I'm like, okay, not working. Maybe we never use this HDMI port in this TV. Maybe it's a bad HDMI port. Yeah, try, that definitely happens. Yeah, try the other HDMI port, which she uses all the time for DirecTV. Nothing. Okay. Not a thing. That's still good. And I'm, I'm like wiggling it. I'm put it, pulling it in and out. I blew in it, just like Nintendo NES, yeah. like last ditch resort thing. And, I, and it's like nothing. And so finally I get to the point, and this is where we all know, if you get to this point, it's hopeless no matter what. But I got to the point where I pull out my phone and it's Roku stick doesn't work in yeah. Google. And just pages and pages of people saying, it yeah, that, no that like Google autocomplete that just sends yeah. your like stomach down. It's like, yep. oh fuck. Yep. Pay, apparently, this device should be recalled by the federal government. It doesn't work for a lot of people because if you have anything other than a perfectly flat TV where you have perfect access to the HDMI uh, port, which I would say does not describe ninety-five percent of TVs. Yes. It won't work because it has to be like fully all the way in and somehow a little more in or, or else it just won't read. And so for most people, you just can't get, get a signal. And I'm just like, 
God damn it. This is, I am technology kryptonite this weekend. I am three for three. I got to return this fucking Roku stick. I had to return my fucking TV. I had to return a fucking power adapter from Apple. God damn it. <laughs> I have collectively spent like $600 this weekend, and most of it I'm going to have to get back, and it's going to be a weird fucking credit card statement. Yeah. Man. This weekend sucked. That's great. That's amazing. Holy shit. And that was a lot of time I wasted. I could have been playing Digimon. Yeah. And I like how those are three, like, super different things that have nothing yes. to do with each other. Just, uh, like, somehow this insane confluence event just, like, came around. It's like, I've been kind of thinking getting a need TV. Nope, that fucked up. It's like, oh, shit, I left my power adapter at work. Nope, that fucked up. It's like, I've been kind of this Roku stick thing. It's like, nope. That's great. That's a fucking amazing. God, it's it's just it, it's infuriating, especially when it's the the weekend and these were things I kind of the Roku stick was less pressing, but the other sure, things yeah. I kind of just wanted to go out and get. Like I use Amazon for a lot of things. I'm probably never going to buy a TV from Amazon. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't want to get something that like big. Yeah. yeah. So these were things I needed to go to the store to get, and when you need to return them, it's the most annoying thing in the world. Yes. So I've made all these fucking trips over here. It just it all was just driving me crazy. I haven't had time to return the fucking Roku stick yet. And then it's like, well, what am I going to do then? The next thing I buy is not going to work. I'm yeah. fucking cursed right now. So might as well just give up. Just oh, and live in the, a Luddite life. In the middle of all this, the reason I was going to buy my mom the Roku stick is our direct TV just went out. <laughs> no reason. <laughs> it, there was nothing. You know, this, it's been really nice in Colorado. The, yeah. Nothing happened to the satellite. No, Satellite's yeah. fine. It just all fucked up. I couldn't figure it out. I was doing everything I could. I... And then the, the box that like the, the the hub box for the direct TV, which is downstairs, is so infuriating. Like I don't know what kind of fucking power cable they made for that thing, but it's not just like a quick, you know, you you push it in like most power cables where it's like a circle or something. Yeah. It's like a coaxial cable, but more oh. intense. And it's like it was so hard to get out and then get back in, and then it spent like forty five minutes troubleshooting itself before suddenly Grown Ups Two was on. <laughs> And it's like, and I don't even care about this. I don't watch fucking DirecTV. Yeah. I'm doing this for my mom. I'm nice. And it bit me in the ass a bunch this weekend. Man. Man. God. Fuck. The, the fact that this podcast is going smoothly so far, it just amazes me. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that, like, you didn't take our microphone out of, like, the box when you got here. And just, like, it just completely falls to pieces in your hands. It's like, you should better be careful the next time you turn on your PlayStation because you don't know. You don't know. Turn it on, it's like, hey, every save that's on this hard drive has just been magically corrupted. <laughs> the funniest thing... We <laughs> ate our, your Digimon disc. Within all that, one of the funny things was I was at Best Buy. The person in front of me must have been having a weird day, too, because this is my third trip to Best Buy. I'm returning something. I'm in yeah. the return line. And this person is arguing with a customer service agent, and the first sentence I hear is, no, ma'am, we can't take exploding batteries. <laughs> It's like it's company policy. If they're melting and they're lithium ion, it's dangerous. And it was Man. hilarious. <laughs> Man. But like I just had a thought because you've been playing Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. What if what's happening is that you've pissed <laughs> off some Digimon? There's some evil Digimon. Like, Jonathan, you are one of the side cases in Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth right now. You're one of those guys that goes to Kyoko's <laughs> detective agency. is like, everything I buy just breaks. I don't know what's going on. And there, you, like, go into the cyber world, world and you find out there's some, like, evil Digimon that's in love with you or something. There is something so wonderfully cathartic about all those side missions in Digimon where it is just someone's, like, my phone's acting up. Just yeah. something great. My website keeps crashing. You go in and it's Digimon just fucking with shit. Yeah. And it's usually, like, these, like, really... Nine, like they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's how you gotta imagine it going forward, I guess. 
All right, you have a technology story. Okay, yeah, yeah. So this is this has like luckily turned out really well, but it made me kind of nervous. Was people probably are somewhat aware because it's been going around a lot. Is like what was it like a year ago now that Windows first came out with Windows Ten, mm-hmm. and when they came out with it, they came out with the policy of hey, free upgrade for everyone. It's like you just like if you like bought like a Windows PC like somewhere in like this enormous time period, like we're just like pushing this update that's like you can just download it for free. And that's been and if you are someone who has a PC with with that capability, that has just been sitting in your like taskbar at the bottom right for like a year. Oh, like I was talking about my shitty work PC that's Windows seven. Yeah. It was trying to do it for that too. I'm like, no way. It would break this PC. Yeah, There's yeah. no way this could run Windows ten. And like I just didn't want to do it because I mean my general policy with like computer stuff is don't don't use a new OS that's like until it's like a year old. Because like if the OS stuff gets fucked for you like that is that is the worst. That is something you really don't want to have to deal with. So I was just like, I'm not going to do it. Just stop. It is like normally it was fine, but it would be like every once in a while a little pop up would show up and be like, Hey, you can download Windows 10, buddy. And it's like, go away. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine with Windows 8. There's nothing. There's literally nothing in Windows 10 that is the better. That's like I'm going to be like, Hey, because like when I got Windows, like a, my laptop that has Windows 8 on it, it was like. This is basically just Windows 7 with, like, this weird other whole interface that you don't have to deal with, that I never deal with, that's, like, I've basically been using Windows 7 for, like, eight years or whatever now. And Windows 10, now that I have it, which is where the story is going, is basically the exact same thing. It is just Windows 7. The icons on your taskbar are a little bit smaller, and that's taken me a little bit longer to get used to. But, like, it's just... Windows 7 with, like, some things you go into the options and turn off and a weird other little menu that you never go to. And that's all it is. But one thing that was happening with when I... Before I now have Windows 10 is the update... Like, the little thing that they pop up and say, it's like, hey, you can just get Windows 10. Why don't you just get Windows 10? Hey, buddy, Windows 10, it's free. You just, just like, click this fucking button, man. That just turned into, like, you know what? We just... We just... Put down a little appointment for you. We just like we 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 were looking to our calendar book. We just said, "Hey, how about Sunday? Does Sunday work for you? We're just going to put you down for Sunday. On Sunday, we're just going to give an update." I'm like, "Well, okay, wait, wait, just, well, wait just a fucking minute, Windows. I didn't sign up for any goddamn appointment. This isn't something I said I was going to do. What do you mean? What do you mean you suddenly just decided you're going to update my PC to Windows 10 on Sunday? As like." It's just like, it was this thing, and I could have completely backed out of it, but when it got to that point of where, like, if I had not seen that message, my PC would have just fucking updated, and, like, it would have just disappeared, and there have been stories about this where people have been following it, that this has been getting pushed to people's Windows PCs in sort of, like, waves, and so, like, at GDC recently, and I think, yeah, basically at GDC, there were a lot of stories of these different, like, game developer people who were giving, um like, press conferences and stuff there that all of a sudden, right before the press conferences, like, their PC is just suddenly updating to Windows 10. But that's not fucking okay. So that behavior no. is super fucked up. Luckily, I'm in a situation where it's not that big of a deal, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get this over with. I'm not going to deal with fighting this message for the rest of my life. I don't care that much. It's been long enough that I'm not afraid of getting Windows 10. It'll be fine. The one thing I am going to do is look at their little scheduled appointment. And I'm like, I'm just going to push that back into like deep into the night. So there's no way I'm using my PC because they had it scheduled for like nine o'clock or something. I'm like, I'm not going to like nine o'clock at night. It's like, I might still be using my PC. Don't, don't schedule it there, but I'm fine. 
I was like, I was so like when it was supposed to happen was like tonight at like three in the morning. It's like that's never going to happen. I'm never going to be using the PC then. So then that all of that event that happened like Thursday or something. So fast forward to earlier today on Sunday, which is when we're recording this podcast right now. And I get up, I walk downstairs, I have breakfast, all, all this stuff. I go and I'm like looking at my laptop. It's like, hey, I'm just checking in the internet, having fun. And then all of a sudden, my laptop just turns off. And then like the screen pops up and says, we're upgrading your Windows. You're upgrading your laptop to Windows 10. It's like update in progress. I'm like, what? It's 11 o'clock. That's not... That is super not, that's not even like a somehow fucked up and didn't check AM PM. That's like completely not what I set the schedule. So all of a sudden, out of fucking nowhere, like I'm just browsing the internet and then my laptop's updating to Windows 10. It's like, you just, you lied to me, Windows. You used, you did this whole thing. You set up this appointment. You were really goddamn fucking pushy about it. And I finally acquiesced. And even that was not good enough for you. Even that, you're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just update it at, like, your prime I'm using my computer right now hours on a Sunday. Fuck off. Don't do that. That's com- so completely fucked up. But it took, like, an hour, and that was pretty annoying because, again, like, it was... The main thing I like to do at lunch is to, like, I, like, will watch a YouTube video while I eat lunch. That's, like, a thing I've been doing... For years now. It's really frustrating when that just gets... I'm like, well, now I need to figure out something I'd like... Something else to watch during lunch. It's like, you've just completely disrupted my whole schedule. I had this one video picked out that I wanted to watch. You fucked everything up. Now I need to... I'm just not going to just sit here and, like, eat a sandwich in silence. Like, what is that? So, fuck you, Windows, for doing that to me. And then the, the weirdest part is... And some people might have seen screenshots floating around because it's very strange is that once the whole update process finishes and your computer restarts into Windows 10, like, Windows 10 uses kind of like what the Xbox One uses for its UI stuff. It uses natural language stuff, so it's not like we are updating. It's like, hey, man, we've decided to start updating your thing now. It's like, hey, just please wait one moment. Like, we're getting this ready. It's like... I I hate all that. It's super conversational. It's like, hey, welcome. Like, what's up? It's like that kind of stuff. And instead of it just being very technical, which I prefer the technical... UI kind of language. I don't want my Xbox to be friendly to me. I want my, or my computer or whatever, I want the technology I use to feel like it is treating me like I am their master, right? Yes. Like, there's no friendliness. <laughs> there's no, nothing personable about it. I'm just giving you orders and you are following it, you dumb machine. That's, I want that in my life. I need that in my life, and so I don't want my laptop to pretend like it's my friend. But the weirdest thing that happens with that stuff is that once it, the, the laptop reboots into Windows 10 for the first time, it says, like, it comes up and it says, we have updated your PC. And it's just in, like, big white text in the middle of the screen. <laughs> it just says flat out, we have updated your PC, period. And it's like, and people have posted, I've seen a bunch of screenshots on Twitter for months now as this has been happening to people. People think it's like, this is kind of like, this feels really intimidating. It just feels like something of like, you don't know if that's just the normal process or if like, while you were updating your OS, a hacker hacked into your fucking PC and like put that, it's like, we have updated your PC. We have assumed control and that kind of stuff. And so I thought it was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this on Twitter. That's kind of funny. And it's like, it is actually really creepy what happens to you. The creepiest part, though, is that that stays on screen for like five fucking minutes. And then it switches to another screen that says, like, we are organizing your files. 
all of your files are where they are supposed to be. It's just like, <laughs> dude, like, it, it's like they should. Someone at Windows should just like fuck with that a little bit and have like a picture of Kim Jong Il on that. Yeah, or something like just like a skull and crossbones or something. Because it's so weird because you get a little bit of that natural language kind of stuff of it being very friendly sounding language and then when it reboots into that screen it's like all of a sudden you're have like your voice in in your head of like it just being like this hey man what's up kind of thing and then instead it's like we have updated your pc and it's super just like flat straight language it's so weird and it goes i can't remember what all the different things but it goes through like four different things as is clearly still part of the setup process, and all the messages that pop up stay there for like three to five minutes, and it's like, what the fuck is? This? It's so bizarre. It's it's funny because when I was using a Windows PC last year and Windows 10 came out, I was not planning on upgrading. Yeah, but it did the same thing to me, where it was mm-hmm. like, we've scheduled this for you. Is that okay? Yeah. And I'm like, well, not yet. And I so I said no. And then like a week out, I was like, well, there haven't been any problems, so. And it keeps asking me, it's like, and I just, I get really annoyed by notices that come up a lot. It's yeah. one of the reasons I like Macs, because there's none of that bullshit. Right. I just, it gets on my ADD side, I think, and it annoys me. Sure. So I was like, I'll just, uh, whatever. It's a good, my, my PC is pretty new. There's no way, and it fucked my PC so hard. I had to revert to Windows 8 and all this stuff. Right. And um, anyway, so... Yeah, it's it's the insistent side of it though. Like it's so funny because like you know Macs and iPhones have their yearly updates, but at least you can choose every step of the way. They they yeah. never do like, do you want to schedule your no? It's yeah. <laughs> they'll let you know it's here maybe, but usually by email, not by you know. Yeah, and then it's go on. But anyway, so yeah, continue. but it's kind of just sort of like unprecedented all around. Like I've never seen something like this happen where it's just like like it just is constantly it's just like hey. You want to upgrade? You, you want to, like, hey, it's just free, man. Why wouldn't you? Why? It's I, just, it's free. I just think, upgrade to Windows 10, man. What's up? I think you've never had a company this desperate to get people on their new OS. Yeah. Because that's the other, contextually, like, Windows, they're not in a good shape with no, their OSs. Yeah. Like, people still use fucking XP, which is so dangerous. You can't do that. Yeah. And, like, Windows 7 is 10 years old. They need to start moving past it. And they have such a tough time moving people forward, in part because, as you say... Everything is just Windows 7 with a coat of paint. Yeah. And, like, at least, like, you know, Mac's OS's strategy is it's still OS 10. They're recognizing it is OS 10. It looks like that. When we have new OS's, it's not a complete revamp. You know what you're getting. And Windows is trying to sell you. Like, 8 is the new thing. You had to pay for it. Now with 10, they had to go free. But it's still trying to convince people. And they're in pretty dire straits with that. So it's a really fascinating phenomenon. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so when I, to finish up my story, when I got, finally had Windows 10 all downloaded and my computer stopped threatening me, like, <laughs> very, like, passive-aggressively with, with its language, like, I was just, like, went in, I was like, okay, I just went to the settings, I turned off, like, the Cortana bar in the bottom left, because I don't have a microphone on my fucking laptop, and I was never going to use, like, their Cortana Siri thing, and it just took up most of the taskbar. Like, it's, it's annoying, like, yeah. It's, like, the entire, like, bottom, like, 25% of the taskbar, I'm like, just get that fucking off there, so I took that off. And it was like, the, the one thing I kept on searching around for was I wanted to make the icons in the taskbar bigger because they shrunk by like what feels like 25% or so down. And I found like, and they're at, there's no way to make them bigger. You can make them smaller. And it was just like, I just, 
I just want it to be like what it was. You lied. Like, like they said, like, everything would be fine. Everything would be the same, only better. But it's not because it's the same, only like the, the, the one thing I actually use my fucking OS for is basically just clicking icons on the taskbar. I don't use my computer for anything other than like loading up Microsoft Word and like Google Chrome and iTunes. Like, that's about as intense as it generally gets. I've like, it's just a fucking laptop. So I want my, 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 Buttons on my tax bar to be a little bit bigger. Can't yeah, do that, though. it's annoying. And and the first week at least, I looked everywhere to try to get rid of that Cortana bar, and I don't think that option was there at the start. I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was something they put in later. It was a little buried, a little bit deep too. Because actually, that is one of the things I will say as a criticism for Windows 10 is that, and it was the same thing for Windows 8, is that because the the good part of the OS that you use all the time is just Windows 7, and all the rest of it feels like it's basically tacked onto a slightly improved Windows 7. They have, like with Windows 8 and now Windows 10, they have like two different settings areas. That's like, one is just it's like the exact same control panel that has been there since like Windows XP. And then the other part is like this weird, like you have to go into like this, like the special super like only Windows 10 menu things to find like the settings that's like those settings. It's like, it's that's really bizarre that they don't integrate those things. But it's it's nice because it means like, Hey, Windows XP and like seven, those are two pretty fucking good Windows OSs. They're totally fine for anyone's normal purposes. So all the new stuff is just like off in its own weird like OS ghetto that yep. you'd never have to go to, which is good and bad. It's just it's very strange and how insistent it was. It's like it's the exact same fucking thing. It's no different. I really would love if someone as smart as say like Phil Spencer on the Xbox side could get yeah. in charge of Windows because Windows needs someone to just kick it in the ass and be like, let's just get this working in a way that is clear and not confusing and weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. The one other setting that this is really weird is that my, like, the touchpad all of a sudden was, like, inverted, or I don't know how you, how you define what is inverted or non-inverted, but I like the touchpad on my laptop to be, if you're doing the scrolling, to be if you're... Like, scroll it towards you for it to go down and scroll away from you for it to go up. So, like, on a Mac, the default? Yeah, I don't know how it is default on Mac. That's okay. just that's just how I... And I don't remember what it was default. So, is it reverse of a mouse is what you're saying? Kind of. No, because if you scroll towards you on a mouse, it scrolls down on the screen, on, like, the mouse wheel, right? I think about this. Yeah. Well, okay, I have it like this. Yeah, You. so you have it, like, the opposite of how I have it, where you, if you, like, scroll well, away page, from you... If I scroll away from you, the page moves up, but the scroll bar goes down, because the scroll bar moves in an opposite direction oh, of the right. actual page. Because if you think about it, if I'm going up and the page is going up, I like that. Oh, yeah, because that's... I think of it as, like, the page going down. Like, I don't... I don't. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it is... Because I'm also... Like, I use inverted, like, Y-axis controls for video games. I don't know if that has anything. Like, I, don't, I feel like those things are not correlated. Maybe they are. I don't know. But well, I like it the way I like it, and that's how I had it set up. And, like, and it made me recall that I had a hard time getting it to be like that on when I first got my laptop with Windows 8, because I was used to it the way I wanted to have it. And so I had to go into, like, my weird touchpad-specific settings to find a way to invert it. And so that was, like, three years ago or something when I got this laptop. And now... I feel like what happened was like Windows 10 now defaults to the other way, which means my setting was saved. So it was inverted from how I wanted it because they defaulted it the other way. So I had to go find that setting again and turn it off. And that might not be 
how that is. Like, I don't remember how all those settings worked out, but that's how it felt like it happened. Like, all of a sudden, I was like, what the fuck? Why? Because it's that's such a mind bending experience where it's like you're used to moving and like scrolling a web page in a very specific motion, and then and you've been doing that for years, and then all of a sudden you do that and it goes in the opposite way you expect, and you're like, what? What just happened? What? 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 And it's like, you never, I never fucking go into my touchpad settings. I haven't looked at that since I got the fucking laptop. Right. So that was weird. But other than that, it's all been fine. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. Our brave new Windows 10 world. Yeah. It's, it's now, fine. It's just Windows 7. Now you can stream Xbox One games to your PC. Yay. Now I can get Quantum Break not only on my <laughs> Xbox One, but also on my Windows 10 capable PC, Jonathan. Do you want to get Quantum Break? No. Okay. And you definitely don't want to get the PC version of Quantum Break based on like what I've heard is like, man, that universal Windows platform App Store stuff. PC gamers do not like it when all of a sudden you take PC games that are noted for being very adaptable and then just like put in a walled-off garden where you can't access anything. Yeah, I think you can just say, don't get the PC version of X, and that 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 fixes most scenarios. Sure, yeah. PC ports are shit. We can just, like, as a general group, yeah, not good. Yeah. Too bad. They shouldn't be. No, yeah. Should be easy weird. enough to make that work, but oh well. All right, so that's that. Let's move on and do some other stuff. Speaking of video games, yes. can I just give a quick Digimon update? Uh, please, yes. We need to keep our track on mentioning yeah. Digimon every single podcast. Okay, so it, honestly, I've when we recorded last, it was a Tuesday night. This is Sunday. I haven't had a ton of time to play Digimon, Yeah, but I think I was seven hours in last time. I'm a good 12 and a half this time. All right. So, although it's, chapter six is long. Yeah, like I seven. said, those chapters are very are variable lengths. So it's yeah. hard to sort of like say, I'm in this chapter and have that be like, this is how far I am in the game. Yeah. Well, anyway, I've been loving this game so much, I bought the fucking Vita version. Congratulations, Jonathan. It I didn't, went it all didn't the way. for you. It didn't like just download and like, we just deleted your save and everything on your Vita. No, this, is the, this has been the one bright spot in my weekend. It's like right. I get home from returning things or buying things and learning I have to return them. And I pull my Vita out and I can get instant digi satisfaction. That's, that's the way you want it. Sleuth. I just want to review the Vita version really quick because we've okay. been talking mostly about the PS4 version. Because yeah. that's what you played. It's what I've been playing. And it's really good. Like the Vita version is the original version of the game from Japan. Yeah. Because that's how it was originally made, you know. Um, and then the PS4 version is a port. And the Vita version does not look as good. Like the biggest thing is it runs at 30 frames instead of 60. Sure. Yeah. Um, which... You have to get used to it initially, but then you're like, it doesn't really matter for this game. Yeah, um, it's a turn-based combat game. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. But just running around, like you just notice it a little bit, and then there's some other visual things. But overall, it looks great. The biggest thing that's kind of funny is, maybe I can show you this, the yeah. text looks kind of blurry. And I don't know why, because the Vita, uh, like text in other Vita yeah. games is fine. It doesn't look that blurry to me, but it's just a, little bit, like, a little bit less than... Uh, normal it's, than on the PS4 version. For just sure. some, for whatever reason, I find I have to squint a little bit on the dialogue. I don't know why, hmm. but anyway, it's fine. So it's all good, and it's definitely you can feel just playing it on Vita. Like, yeah, this was a Vita game. Like, there's a lot that yeah. you just notice. Like, yeah, this works really well in this form. There's so much stuff where you can just kind of pick up, play for a couple minutes, put it back down. I love that. The controls feel a lot more normal when you're using the little thumbsticks and not the full DualShock Four. Yeah, because there's <laughs> no like sort of like. Analog quality to the movement is very no. like you are standing or you're moving at a full sprint, which right. works a lot better on the Vita control sticks. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it feels like I'm playing Persona or something. Yeah, which is great. But 
just comparing the two. Oh, the other thing is it does have cross save, and yeah. I'd heard for some people it hadn't worked perfectly. For me, it's worked one hundred percent perfect. It's really easy. You go into your save screen. Each version has its own three saves you can do, which is great. Oh. But then you have a triangle option. You just hit triangle and it does cross save, and there's a cross save slot. And it just shows you what's the latest one, which system was it from, and like everything. So there's no way you can fuck it up, right? And then you can override it. It asks you, "Do you want to? Sure, you want to do this?" It's it's like everything to make sure you don't like erase six hours of progress. Yeah. And then you just do that, and then you can load from there wherever you are. It's super convenient, super easy. I've gone back and forth a little bit, and one of the things I've appreciated most is. You play the Vita version for a little bit, it looks fine, but then, like, they did a really good job making it look good for PS4. Yeah. Like, they got every ounce of visual power out of that game. Like, the 60 frames, 1080p, it just looks really colorful, really sharp, it moves well, the text looks great. So, it's kind of fun, and it makes me really wish, and I don't think it's an outside possibility, but I would like some other Vita games to just come to the PS4. Because they did that with Gravity Rush, that was great, they've done it with Digimon now. Can we get Persona 4 Golden for the PS4? I really want that. That would be... That'd be awesome. It would also be disastrous because I like I can't play Persona Four again, but right now. But it would also be like for Sega slash Atlas, you're printing money. Just do it, yeah, like yeah. Because that game, especially with the hype around Persona Five, I feel like that would be a no fucking brainer. Just like put it out in the summer. It probably won't get here in English until Christmas. Yeah, and just have something there for people to buy to catch them up on Persona because. You know, it, you can't easily do that with Persona 3, of course, because there's no version that is that new. Yeah. But with 4, you could get that out, and I think, you know, the Vita is, is not that high-selling a console. The PS4 definitely is. Yeah. You could open it up to a much bigger audience, and I think it'd be good promotion for Persona 5. So, really, I hope they do that, and maybe they could patch cross-save in. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, because I, I love the Vita cross-save stuff. There's not enough games that use it, but when you do have and you can just go back and forth, it's awesome. It's just yeah. like, I can take Digimon with me to the office and play when no one's looking. <laughs> haven't tried that yet, but I'm going to. Great. I'm glad you have said that on record in like a, a format that will just be on the internet forever. I don't. It's, people in my office don't know what podcasts are. Unless they, they randomly find out. <laughs> I'm just All saying, right. if I was doing something like that, I wouldn't say it. Okay. I would never say it out loud ever. Under no circumstances. I don't care that much. Digimon... He's like you're like fucking Richard Nixon, man. Like you're just recording everything you're saying. And it's like no one's ever going to find out. This is fine. I'm the president. It's all okay. Yes. Anyway, yeah. um, Digimon's really good. I'm getting deeper into the story. Love all the story stuff, and I love the pace of the game where it goes between, you know, story stuff that takes more of your attention, and it's fun to just you know sit down with it and play. And then also the stuff where I can just turn on a podcast and do a bunch of random side cases. Yeah. Or, you know, do some of the little Mirai's quests where you go and find things for random Digimon. Which yeah, all the little medals. They're really just little stupid fetch quests, but because of the whole Digimon aspect, it's really charming and fun. Yeah. And then the hours you spend in the Digilab just getting yeah. the Digimon ready. I, I have gotten to my second Digifarm. I love that whole Digifarm system. Yeah, like, it's, it's this really great nice. thing where the clock is moving in the background, and you get to go work with that. It's and just you're leveling up so, so much all the time. Like, it's just... There's so many, like I said, I'm thinking the last time I talked about my experience with it, is like I'm pretty fucking sure I have leveled up more in Digimon Story than in all other games I've played combined, just with all my other Digimon. It's crazy. It feels so good. I mean, at this point, I have both my Digi Farms are full, and I have a party of like nine Digimon. Yeah. So that's 29 that I am actively leveling up, and I could do, if I wanted to put in the effort, I could do more, you know? Yeah. It's nuts. And I've already got... 
so many Digimon. Like, this is a game where you look at the screen, there's about 250 Digimon to get. That seems daunting. And I'm like, no, I can get all the Digimon. Yeah. It's going to take some work. But For God's sakes, by the time you get to the end of the game, if you needed to, like with like setting up all your Digifarm stuff and your party, you could be simultaneously leveling up 50, no, 61 Digimon. Because there's Shit. five different the, like farm modules and there's 11 that you can have in your party. 61! You can be leveling up 61 Digimon at the same time in that game if you need to. And so, like, my normal instincts are like, oh, man, if I leave this... Di- there's no room in my farm. If I leave this Digimon out, he won't level. I'm like, wait, I can level him up super fast if I need to later. Yeah. It's okay if he can't level right now. He'll leave in my Digibank, and I'll just come back for him. It's all good. And all the Digimon are so charming. They have so much, like, character to them. It is such... This game, I feel like we have to talk about every week because we have to be evangelists for it. It is such a good game. It really is so good. And I'm super happy that you are enjoying it as much as you are because you have no relationship to Digimon at all. And it's it's good on, like, every level. It is just a really good game. If this were not a year where a bunch of possible landmark releases are coming out, like Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 15 and stuff, I would say this seems like it could almost be a shoe-in for Game of the Year. Yeah. It, for for me and you at least, and there's probably going to be things that will eclipse it, but it'll definitely be on our top. Yeah, 10s. it's going to be on my list for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. It really is. So right now, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. What's your favorite Digimon that you have right now? Oh fuck! Can I look through my party? Sure. Just okay. Just do there's it really so quick. many. Yeah. Because it's. So many. I'm just really curious again, since you don't have any preconceptions about them, because all of mine would be like guided through my exposure to the cartoon. I'm just curious, yeah. like, what you're picking out right now that you really like. Well, I just made a bunch of new ones, but my favorite for a while was Gorgomon. Yeah. He's the evolution of Terriermon, and he's just, he's got a bunch of cool moves. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades Digimon. When he walks behind you, it's super cute and funny. He's got machine gun hands. It's like, yeah. I guess, it's great. I, I've loved Gorgomon. There's a lot of others I have loved. Falcomon, design-wise, was one of my favorites. Uh, I have this one called Geogreymon I really love. Geogreymon's really cool. And yeah. Growlmon I've really loved. And he's been in and out of the bank. Because he's actually a really good leader in the bank when I use him sometimes. Right, yeah. There's a bunch of great dinosaurs. At a certain point, I had an entire dinosaur party walking behind me. And that was great. Because yeah. I love all the dinosaur Digimon. Um, but yeah, I think if I had two gun to my head, my mind just goes to... Uh, Gorgomon, because he's been with me for a while. Uh, I just finally digivolved him. He's now an Antilamon. Yeah. Yeah. No, they. That is a powerful fucking Digimon. Okay. Yeah. Haven't used it. I mean, I literally just did it, so I haven't done a lot with him. But those those guys those guys are pretty good. What they, they mean, evolve into. You get yourself a Kirkymon. That's like some that's some rad shit. Nice. I was rolling with. Well, I, and I and that's the thing is even with my current party where I have I think I just looked I had. Seven in my current party, yeah. like with memory maxed out, and I still have a bunch in the bank that I wish I could bring with me because they're so cool. Like there's so many I want to use that even though they let you use a ludicrous, irresponsible amount, I want to use more. Yeah, this is very different than Pokemon. Yeah, it's it's great. Like, I will never be able to play a Pokemon game again. It's over. Right? Yeah, like, it's just like it really does. It just shows you all the potential that has gone untapped for the Pokemon franchise for so long that you just blow this shit out. It is amazing. Yes. It's like it's, it's like you had fucking just like that you have 3 of your Digimon in the like that can fight at the same time and then like you can have 11 in your party. Like that's just it's just especially when you get near the end of the game and you're just rolling with this party of 11 just insanely powerful Digimon, you feel so cool. You, you just feel so good cuz yeah. like I just have all my buddies that have leveled up like all this time and they're just like all these super powerful awesome looking guys and I've got like 50 more in the bank that I can pull out for very specific scenarios should I need to. And it's just like everything is awesome. It's just great. 
is great. And I, you know, I don't think Pokemon needs to go anywhere near this level of complexity. It shouldn't because I don't think I would give this game to like a six-year-old. And yeah, I think, yeah, it's a bit much. And Pokemon should be accessible to kids. That is, should be its primary audience. Yeah. But I think if they just took two lessons, one, you should be able to simultaneously level a good number of Pokemon. And I think the solution they found in X and Y is really good with the experience share, but it's not quite enough. It should just be equal leveling. You should be able to have extras in your pack. They need to have more than four moves. And you should have some kind of thing like the Digi Farm, like a Poke Farm, where you can level more. And they've come Yeah, that's so- not the daycare center, because that was always so clunky in Pokemon games to Yeah, but they could do they have all these different things like the daycare center and the you know, hidden caves and all this other stuff that you could just put it all together at some point and it would feel very it would feel like a natural evolution for Pokemon, right? Yeah. yeah. If you did something like that. It's a so choice words there, Jonathan. Natural oh, I didn't God, I wasn't even thinking about that. Sorry. But yeah, I, I think it could work and and I don't know. So and we'll see. I X and Y showed that they are willing to maybe overturn some Pokemon orthodoxy. So I'm really curious what Moon and Sun yeah. turn out to be. I mean, honestly, the main thing about Digimon that I wish would be Pokemon is beyond all of that is that Digimon does such a good job of building the the battle mechanics in such a way that you need to have a bunch of like diverse yes. Digimon in your party because if you don't, you're just completely screwed. And Pokemon has always let you basically just like power your way through every scenario. Oh, and the, that's one of the things I should say. The battle system in Digimon, I don't even know what if I can put my finger on what it is other than all the need for all the different Digimon. Yeah. It's addictive and fun. Like It's very rare. I've played a JRPG where I would describe the battle system that way, where I just want to go like grind and do battles, because that on its own is a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. And I think it is that like by having those like multiple different like rock, paper, scissor like sort of attribute things going on at the same time like forces you to like really look at your party and be like okay I can't have like a party of all like data type Digimon because it's like they will just get completely destroyed if I'm type fighting a bunch of virus type Digimon and it's just like even if they're way weaker than you the advantages are so drastic in terms of the multipliers that it puts on damage and stuff that like you need to take that stuff into account you can't just like force your way through like in Pokemon like you I could beat the fucking, like, water gym basically with just a Charmeleon at the beginning of Pokemon Red. Like, it's not that big a deal. It's a little bit harder. But, like, in Digimon, that's completely impossible. There's no right. way you can brute force a fight like that. Absolutely. And there's and it's I'm getting to the point in the game where I'm starting to get my ass kicked when I make those mistakes. But I like it because I'm finally getting to the point where I have to start taking it more seriously. And it's a really nice difficulty curve in the game. They don't throw you in head first. Yeah. It, it ramps up in a good way. So, And then something else they do with that is I really love how forgiving they are with you switching out your team. Because like any of your moves with your Digimon, you can use to swap out every single one of your Digimon and like swap them, like a whole new party yeah. of three into combat. Like That's really awesome. And you don't feel like the enemy doesn't just get like 100 turns because you did that. Like The game is built for you to be like, Oh shit! I didn't. I was not expecting this. Like, just swap everyone out really quick at the beginning of a fight, kind of thing. Absolutely, it's it's so good. I mean, I'll, the highest praise I can give this game at the moment is so April fifteenth, this coming Friday, Bravely Second is coming out. Yeah, I've had my special collector's edition on pre-order for months. I'm very excited for it. But I was thinking I was probably going to put Digimon on the back burner for a little bit and play Bravely Second. Now I'm thinking I'm going to have the Bravely Second thing on my shelf for a little while while I finish Digimon. Yeah. That's that's high praise because Bravely Default is great. I, I'm not – this has not diminished my enthusiasm for Bravely Second. I'm very excited. It's just like, but I got my Digimon to take care of. Yeah. I can't, I can't abandon them. You'll be there for me, Bravely Second. It'll always be there waiting. But you've got – hey, Digimon. Also, here. we have to keep up somehow – you talked about Digimon for about five weeks. 
I didn't pick it up until you were done with it. Yeah, and like so the timing was so perfect. The timing was beautiful with that. Pretty much almost every episode this year has had Digimon talk. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, it's the third wheel. It's the, the last triangle in the Triforce. It's Doctor Who, it's Persona, and now it's Digimon, motherfucker. I guess in a year with no Doctor Who, Digimon has supplanted it. Yeah, it, it is... Yeah, maybe that is the true situation. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about something new coming up that I think everyone is excited for. This week, big news in movies was uh, Disney, kind of out of nowhere, I guess, maybe in tandem with the Force Awakens Blu-ray release. Yeah. They released the trailer for Star Wars, or it's called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Yes. Which is the first of their mid-year Star Wars spinoff films. It's coming out this December. And it's directed by Gareth Edwards, who directed the fantastic Godzilla movies yes. from a couple of years ago. Um, written by Gary Whitta, who is a really good sci-fi writer. Yeah. And uh, Chris White, who is a really good drama writer. So lots of great stuff going on behind the scenes. So I was already excited. Like, the main the story is about getting the plans for the Death Star. That on its own did not excite me. But, frankly, a lot of the new Star Wars stories don't excite me. It's the filmmakers behind them. And I think that's what made Force Awakens great. And yeah. I think it's it's why I was excited for this. But even then... That trailer blew me the fuck away. Yeah, it's a really, really good trailer. Because I think it hits a much better sort of medium that I've, like... Because we, like, criticized the Force Awakens trailers a lot for just withholding so much that it felt like it was just, like, you know, appealing to the fans and not trying to actually make, like, a statement for the movie. Whereas this, it's, like... It's not giving the whole movie away, like, far from that. But it is just giving you, like... A really good idea of like the setup for the movie, basically, and some like intriguing directions that it looks like the movie's going down. I think it's saying, "Why do you want to see a movie about the Death Star plans? This is why." Yeah, look, I, I mean that trailer. The number one thing I have to say about it is visually, holy crap! There yeah. are some shots in that trailer that are among the best blockbuster movie shots I've ever seen, and it's a two-minute trailer. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we should have expected that. Gareth Edwards' Godzilla is, if nothing else, one of the most visually ravishing blockbusters I've ever seen. Yeah, and if you want to talk about, like, really visually involving trailers, like that Godzilla Halo Jump trailer, yeah. it's like, that's still, like, one of the best-looking trailers ever made. Yeah, and this one, like, the way Gareth Edwards is playing with Star Wars iconography is so fascinating to me. Yeah. There are two particular shots. The, the one at the end where Jin Ursa is turning to the camera, she's in Empire Garb, and the lights yeah. go on behind her, masterpiece shot. Yeah, yeah. And then the, big, the best one, though, is you have a Star Destroyer coming up in the right-hand side of the frame. It looks like a Star Wars wipe is going on behind it, like a yeah. typical Akira Kurosawa wipe. But it's the shadow on the Death Star as a the, yeah, the as fire. The, yeah, the Death Ray like screen goes in like the disc. It's it's breathtaking, and that is just in terms of playing with visual iconography. Brilliant, brilliant shot. Yeah, and there's some others like when they're the rebels are running under the ATAT walkers, and yeah. we've never really seen the AT walkers from that perspective. Yeah, it's one of those shots that reminds you, it's like, oh yeah, this is a dude who shot Godzilla, like. He knows how to give, like, scale to CGI creations in film in a way that, like, almost no other director has really managed to capture. Yeah. So, uh, just on that visual level, like, it just... And and just the the sense of passion in this trailer, which was, I think, true in the Force Awakens trailers and definitely in the movie. But it's... I'm really liking the Star Wars era we're in now, where basically it feels like Disney is using their powers for good because... Yes, technically they're milking Star Wars for all it's worth. Yeah. But what they're doing in that is giving a bunch of different filmmakers room to play in this sandbox. And I think you can tell just from this trailer, um, this director, Gareth Edwards, he is playing in this sandbox very hard and very creatively. And it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, like, I, I think... I also really like... You get, like, a brief glimpse at Donnie Yen's character in the yeah. movie. Like, this, like, blind Sith dude, it looks like. Like, training some stormtroopers. You just get, like, a brief shot of, like... I, like, had completely forgotten that he was cast because, like, they, like, have put out a bunch of cast photos and stuff. And there's, like, a song's like, oh, shit, that's Donnie Yen. It's like, fucking yes. Like, let's get a super badass martial artist in a Star Wars movie. That's something that, like, needs to happen. Because yeah. last time they did that, we got Darth Maul's fight. Absolutely. I mean, for those who don't know, Donnie Yen is a Hong Kong martial arts star, most famous for the Ip Man franchise. Yeah, which are, those are some really good movies. Yeah, so that's really cool that they did that. Yeah. Because they had some martial artists... Um, from the Indonesian films, The Raid, in Force Awakens, but they don't, they're not in the sequence much and they don't do any fighting. And I think it's because that's the sequence where Harrison Ford broke his leg. Right. So yeah. that got cut. But anyway, um, this looks like you actually see him doing stuff in the trailer, so we know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hand to hand. It looks very neat. Like, I mean, yeah. this is going to be the first Star Wars movie without lightsabers for the main characters. Yeah. So that alone, and you can as tell. As far as we know. As maybe. far as. Like, the, Disney is really coy with the lightsabers for some reason, so. <laughs> Maybe, like, this is where we find out how Luke's lightsaber, like, it, like, cuts, like, into the future at the end. And the main character for this movie, like, finds Luke's lightsaber, like, chucks it somewhere else in space. And that will be, like, the connecting dots that every Star Wars story, they will end with, like, another step along Luke's lightsaber's path. Just to satisfy my own personal curiosity. That could be great. I will also say they have not said what the third spinoff film is. I would love if they just did the story of getting Luke's yeah, lightsaber the, back. the Bespin cloud miners that find yes. it. Yeah. You can make a great movie out of it. Sure, I mean, you could make a great movie out of anything in the Star Wars universe. You just need to be good enough. Absolutely, and I think that's what this trailer is indicating, because it looks like it'll be a really interesting story about a corner of the war we never saw. Well, and... if you played the video games, okay. you saw it twice. Uh, no, you've seen it. You have to. You fought it. You fought it twice, motherfucker. I took those goddamn Death Star plans. I, I put my boots on the ground in a Doom-like shooter. I know. I, I think it's so tough to talk about Star Wars because anything that can happen has happened in yeah, the expanded universe. Times. I'm sure there are probably books that have been written with that plot as well Yeah, that I don't even know about. So anyway, but in the movies, kind of a corner we haven't seen with some characters who are in a different position than we've seen. Yeah. I say that too, like, the only character we really get a view on here is Felicity Jones, who's playing Jin Ursa. And she looks great. Like, Yeah, and, for like what I assume is going to be the main character of the movie, Like that was the part that never clicked, that I didn't have any... Because I feel like they never even really said who the main character was really going to be. They, I mean, she was the first bit of casting they announced, and she was kind of front and center. So we assumed she was the main character, but we never knew in what capacity. Yeah, so that was, like, the thing about the trailer that surprised me the most is I was like, oh, okay. Like, I just didn't really know what they were going for. But it's like, that, that character seems very interesting. Very interesting, and I love Felicity Jones. I've seen her in several things, and I think she's fantastic. You've seen her in something, too. She was in yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, she was Felicia Hardy. She could be a really good Felicia Hardy in a movie where they knew who Felicia Hardy yeah, was. they decided to actually use that character for a reason. Yeah, no, but she's really For great. our plot of Amazing Spider-Man 2, God damn it! they should have yeah. made that movie. So, I love that Star Wars is suddenly the franchise carrying the banner for female protagonists and blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of cool. And, you know, it seems like she might have an interesting story here. There's already kind of one iconic dialogue moment in that trailer with the I Rebel yeah. that has become a thing. That'll be a t-shirt soon. And just, it looks fun. You get um, Mon Mon Moth, is that her Mon name? Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma, okay. Yes, the, the, the rebel leader. Yes. She makes brief cameo appearances in the movies. but Yes, and that actress, do you know the story with that actress? No. It's kind of cool. So, obviously, it's not the actress who played her in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, that would be very weird. Although she looks just dead ringer, which is crazy. But that actress was hired by George Lucas to play Mon Moth... What is it? Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. 
in uh, Revenge of the Sith, but her okay. scene got cut. So right, she has right. played her before, canonically, I guess. Cause she's in a deleted scene, and they hired her back for this. That's really cool. That, that is pretty cool. Well, that's just kind of that's, hard. That's the third Star Wars story, is the story of Mon Mothma, because she's actually pretty cool. But, like, obviously, like, nobody fucking knows about her, but she's cool. And I just, like, again, talking about it visually, it's clear Gareth Edwards has so much love for this era of Star Wars. It's very much set in the world of A New Hope. And yet it doesn't look like a retread visually of what we saw in the George Lucas movies. Yeah. It yeah. looks like seeing it from a new perspective and maybe with some of the technology we have today. Uh, even though, like Force Awakens, there's no CGI sheen on this. Like, I'm sure right, there's yeah. a lot of CGI in there, but it doesn't. it's not in your face. Yeah, yeah. It's like with Godzilla. Like, he knows how to shoot CGI really well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that Godzilla movie proved you can make Godzilla CGI and have it work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which was kind of the big buy-in for Godzilla fans, obviously, because... Because the last time they tried that, it really didn't work. No. But, like, it made me want to, like... One, it makes me really excited to see Rogue One, but I need to go watch that Godzilla movie again now. Yeah, Because, so not a perfect movie, but it's a really good... Especially as a Hollywood summer blockbuster, it's a cut above the rest. Yeah, definitely. Or a couple cuts above the rest, and... and yeah. Hey, man, any Godzilla movies, that's a, that's a good movie in my book. I don't okay. care. Absolutely. I'll watch Godzilla vs. Megalon right now. I don't give a shit if it's a terrible movie. I will watch it right fucking now. And at least that was a good Godzilla movie in 2014. Yeah. So, yeah, I love this. I, I, look, I just look forward to seeing where Gareth Edwards is going to go in his career because I think he's an interesting director. But from that to Rogue One is his I think, third movie ever, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah. So. I also want to talk a little bit about their naming scheme because I really like what they're doing with calling it Rogue One a Star Wars story. Yeah. I think that's a smart way to... Identify the anthology movies and separate it from their core episode movies. And I, there's something that I like that we can have something that like a Star Wars property or like a Star Wars piece of media that does not always have to be Star Wars colon whatever. Like it's just like Rogue One, and it's like okay, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I feel like that's a really elegant solution. It's really smart. And I, they behind the scenes, they went through a lot of permutations before they got to this. Yeah. But I mean, just when the logo comes up at the end, it's like it feels right. Yeah. And you can just call it Rogue One. It's gonna sell no matter what. It's gonna do great. But yeah, it's just like because obviously you need the Star Wars branding on there somewhere, and I would like it's useful to have there. But it's like it would have just felt weird if it was just like it would have just been like. Because this is probably like the title of the book or something, Star Wars colon Rogue One. Like, it, I'm glad that they didn't decide to just go for that route and find like a more interesting solution to that problem. I think it also would have caused audience fatigue pretty yeah. quick. And it's good to differentiate it. So the actual episodes will be Star Wars something, and then the stories will be their own thing, and it'll feel more distinct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just love that, you know, it feels like Star Wars is something you could really just phone in because it's going to sell no matter what. Yeah. And it seems like the filmmakers are putting in a hell of a lot of effort. I know Force Awakens wasn't your favorite Star Wars thing ever. Yeah, no. But it's still something where I think they, you know, they're really trying really hard yeah. with this stuff. I mean, on that note of, like, with the my feelings of Star Wars Episode Seven in this movie, there is one thing that, like, I do... It's another one of the things that it's like, I really wish that Episode Seven had distinguished itself more in terms of the setting and the technology and stuff because I feel like I would have been even more excited for Rogue One if this was, like... We're going back to the original trilogy stuff instead of it being like, okay, we're seeing more like X-Wings and stuff and, and TIE Fighters. Like, I just like, god damn it. I wish that they had just decided to be a bit more ambitious with the technology side. Like, this movie still seems like it's going to be a really good movie and that doesn't no, like, I, impact that. But I get what you mean. And 
I will say, within all of this also, episode 8 is shooting, and I think we're hearing really exciting things about that. Everything I've heard is that Ryan Johnson's script for episode 8 is bonkers, and if you weren't satisfied with episode 7 taking enough risks, that will not be the case with episode 8. So I just I think we're in for a good couple of years here. Yeah, hopefully. even if Force Awakens wasn't your favorite thing. Uh, one last thing on the Rogue One trailer, the music in that, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Whoever did that, brilliant. Just yeah. little interpolations of the Star Wars themes in a way that was just chilling. Yeah, I mean, and all throughout, I love that it felt like it was almost like a callback to like the Alien trailer or something with like the siren that sounds like the from the Alien trailer that's very sort of famous yeah. and like that stuff, and then it culminating in all that noise turning into the Imperial March theme as the title comes in. Like, yeah, that's that's a fucking classy move. That's well done. Very well like, done. Yeah, whoever, like, made that trailer and did everything, like, like, cut together the trailer and, like, did all the music stuff for the trailer. Like, fucking beautiful. Great trailer. Beautiful. Uh, the whole cast also is so promising because you got Felicity Jones and she's great. But then just some of the other characters like Diego Luna, it looks like he's kind of the secondary lead. He's great. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker is someone giving Sage advice. Yeah. Perfect. That's what he does. Absolutely. Um, He's not in the trailer, but I know Mads Mikkelsen is the villain. Yeah. And I like that he's not in the trailer. That means that hopefully we're going to get him in the actual movie. And that's I've, I'm hoping that like his whole character's thing is that he's just trying to get home for Christmas. I was like, <laughs> that just carries through. Or for like Life Day or whatever that, like the Star Wars Christmas special movie was. <laughs> That could be great. You got Donnie Yen. Just a lot of interesting casting yeah. there. Isn't Alan Tudyk, isn't he in the movie as well? Yes. I feel like I remember I that from the casting news. I have no idea true. who he plays. Yeah, I don't know if he's in the trailer either. but Because yeah. um, the trailer is mostly focused on Jin Ursa, which I think is yeah. cool. Which again, like that's one of the smart things about that trailer is that it immediately gives a sense of direction to that movie that is not, we're stealing the plans of the Death Star. Like that feels incidental to what yes. the trailer is laying out. It's like, oh, this character is going on, like, a journey that's going to be, like, very trying for her. Exactly. Because if it's just stealing the plans for the Death Star, that's not a story we need to see. Yeah. If it's some interesting characters are doing something interesting, it doesn't matter what it is. That's yeah, great. exactly. Yeah, like, the Death Star thing is just a little bit of, like, spice on top. Yeah. So, I I have faith. This is this is going to be fun. I'm excited for December. I, I can't wait for this one. Yeah. I would say that the Force is with this trailer. That was horrible. What are you doing? Uh-huh. There you go. So nobody's ever made that like thing, right? Because they say that they say "May the Force be with you" in the movies and stuff. I just like took that out of like what they say in the movies, and I applied it in a meta fashion to talking about the quality of the trailer. Did you see that? I thought it was clever. Speaking of movies, Sean, were we okay? Yeah, I want to talk about a phenomenon I've noticed. Okay. I this year I think has been pretty rough for movies so far. Like not a lot of interesting stuff. And frankly, what are you talking about? Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice took the box office by storm and then quietly left. <laughs> That's very true. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, you know, I really liked Zootopia. Uh, I've seen some other little things I've liked, but like in terms of major releases, not a lot. I've been going to the theaters for. And hey, man, you're the one who didn't decide to go see The Witch. That's on you. That's not on anyone else. No, I need to go see it. It's yeah, fine. It's a good it movie. Just, uh, hasn't worked out yet, but. Anyway, so not all that exciting. And part of that is, it feels like we're in a weird era where half or more of the stuff coming out look like parody trailers you would have seen on SNL five years ago. Right, yeah. And I, what, I noticed this, so I, you know, I'm on press lists for things. I get the screening notices for movies. And that means every week I kind of see what's coming up. 
And I looked at the whole list of movies coming out in April, and I realized there are at least five. I'm just going to focus on five in April, because I could go to May and June, and it could get even sillier. Yeah. Like, if you get to Independence Day Resurgence. But the five for April I'm going to talk about. These, I totally forgot that they were making that Independence Day sequel until you just said yeah, that. I don't, I'm freaking out. I also don't know if I got the title right. But something with it. that's either the Independence Day movie or the Independence Day video game. It might as well be either. Yes, uh, Independence Day. Jeff Goldblum returns. Yeah, really, that's all they need to call it. <laughs> Independence Day. Jeff Goldblum needed a check, <laughs> and he fucking deserves it. Give that man some money. Absolutely. But uh, I wish it were for better things sometimes. But yeah, yeah, definitely. That's okay. He does his big blockbusters, and then he gets a great cameo in a Wes Anderson movie every few years. That's all we need. Yeah, that's yeah, that's more than enough. Uh, so anyway. So I want to focus on five movies coming out either this weekend or over the next few weeks that I just, I look at them and I don't believe they're real movies because I haven't seen them yet. And even if I did, I don't know if I'd believe it. Yeah. The first one came out this weekend as we're recording it and it's The Boss with Melissa McCarthy. Have you seen the, anything for this? No, I haven't. Okay. I love Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. She's on one of my favorite shows ever, Gilmore Girls. Great there. She's in Bridesmaids. She's great in that. She's good in a lot of stuff. She's in Ghostbusters. She looks like she's going to be the best part of that. Could be fun. But she's been in a lot of bad movies recently, too. Which, to okay, be fair, yeah. most great comedians are in bad movies. Yes. That is, that is absolutely true. Bill Murray is maybe my favorite American actor ever. He was in Garfield. He's been in lots of other bad stuff. Hey, man. We already talked it out like a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Richard Pryor and Superman 3. That's like, there is true. no greater comedian to shitty movie <laughs> comparison you could possibly make than Richard Pryor and Superman 3. That is absolutely true. So, this happens. I'm not trying to make fun of Melissa McCarthy, but like, this one looks like the ultimate. Someone looked at every other Melissa McCarthy movie, looked at the worst tropes that they put her in, and then said, Let's make the SNL parody trailer, and Melissa McCarthy's hosting this week, and she's going to do it with us. It's what it looks like it's right. it's like just her costuming her voice like everything it's like the loudest most obnoxious crazy version of the Melissa McCarthy persona which is really funny to me because I know her from stuff where she's more quiet and human right. and it really like and she's probably one of the more boisterous characters on Gilmore Girls which is a somewhat stylized show but it's also a TV show about a small town it's not crazy yeah you know so it's like I think the plot of the boss is something crazy like she runs a Fortune 500 company. She goes into bankruptcy, and she has to start selling Girl Scout cookies. What? And somehow poor Kristen Bell is roped into this as, like, her assistant. Oh. And, like, every still I've seen, every trailer I've seen, I think I, when I was at whatever movie I was at last, I don't even remember now, I think I saw a trailer, and I was like, that's not real. Is that real? That's not real. So that's the boss. And the boss outgrossed Batman v Superman this weekend, which I love. <laughs> How many? How long has Batman v Superman been out? This is its third weekend. Oh my god! And it got beaten by a shitty Melissa McCarthy comedy movie. I mean, this like, movie what? got like ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes, lower cinema score even than Batman v Superman. And people love Melissa McCarthy. It's tough to get people to hate one of her movies. Yeah, but no, they people didn't like this. It's still outgrossed Batman v Superman this weekend. I just like the movie with Kristen Bell beat the movie with Ben Affleck. It's like that's I don't that's a win for me. I like Kristen Bell a lot. Kristen Bell's great. Yeah, yeah. She's without her Assassin's Creed story. Just it like completely. It really is. She was the glue that tied that game together, like that game's story together. And as soon as they killed her off, it was like it was over. It's like. Kristen Bell is quietly taking over Hollywood. She's the star of Frozen. That's the biggest animated movie Oh, really? Movie ever. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Or one of the... I mean, there's two stars, I guess. Sure, but yeah. she's the more main character, because the other sister isn't in it as much, I guess. But yeah. So anyway, um, 
Good for Kristen Bell and Melissa McCarthy. They're yeah. going to take home a good paycheck, but... Shame on you, Batman v Superman. You deserve it. I mean, the thing is, I think the difference... In, this is we're working off the weekend estimates. Yeah. And the difference between the movies is like $40,000, so it could change places. But the trend has been Batman has been adjusting down in actuals. Yeah. And I would guess a Melissa McCarthy movie will adjust up. Because aren't they now like basically anticipating that Batman v Superman is not even going to break a billion dollars? Yeah, there's no way. That's... Man. It might not break $900 million. I mean, that's... That's, that's fucking dour. It's not, obviously, it's not a flop. But no, this but... was... Warner took their three most famous characters. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. If you can't make a billion off that in this particular marketplace... That's bad. Yeah, because also, like, it had an insane opening weekend. Like, it made so much money. It broke, like, all these crazy records and shit. It's and only the second movie with a weekend that high after uh, Catching Fire, the second Hunger Games, to not yeah. make a billion. And then it hasn't had, as we we're talking about right fucking now, it hasn't had any competition at all. It's like, the third week out, and it's like its biggest competition is a Melissa McCarthy comedy movie called The Boss. Like... Which they probably put there as counter-programming, yeah. not expecting to be number one. Exactly. Like, that's fucking crazy how far that fell. Yeah. And it feels it feels right to me. <laughs> I'm... It, like, normally we say we don't want movies to fail and stuff like that, but... Like, that movie's so bad and so much is riding on it that, like, could, like, take so much stuff into a really bad direction. I'm super happy that that movie is failing this dramatically. Yes. Okay. Second movie that does not look like a real movie to me. Okay. The Jungle Book. Yeah. Well, because it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, a, at least it's not a live action movie, right? It's just an animated film, as far as I can tell. And that's the thing, like, it, it, some, if you put it on mute, the visuals look kind of cool. Like, it almost looks like Terrence Malick does The Jungle Book with CGI. Yeah. Kind of impressionistic, and it's their, their hyper real characters. You, you found an actual Indian child, you know, you didn't get a white sure. kid and yeah. paint him brown, something like that, which they've done before. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. I've done many times before. So, you know, it looks... And then you turn the sound on and Scarlett Johansson is a snake, which I contend is weirdly Freudian. Sure, yeah. I yeah. just want to say that. I and mean, because Ka is also... Well, maybe Ka is a female in the book. I don't know. But the Ka I know and well is not. Well, he's in the in the original Disney movie, Sterling Holloway, yeah. he was the voice of Pooh. So it's like a quiet voice, but it's it's always been a yeah. male. Which is... I don't care about the gender thing yeah, so Yeah, but much. I feel like, like them changing the gender of Ka is like... That adds a lot of evidence to the Freudian argument is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Anyway, so there's that. You got Idris Elba, one of the most recognizable voices in the world, coming out of... Shere Khan. Shere Khan. You've got fucking Christopher Walken as the ape. <laughs> Bill Murray as Baloo. Like, and this would all be fine if they were cartoony, but they're, they're like photorealistic. And it's just that every trailer for that, it doesn't look bad. It just looks bizarre. Like, the thing that gets me the most is, as Christopher Walken is Wu the orangutan, because it's like, I forget who voiced him in the original movie, but it was like a famous, like, jazz singer of the era. Right. It's like, there's, like, you can't get any fucking further from this really awesome, like, black jazz singer from the fucking 60s to Christopher Walken. And remember, they're, they have, a, this has now been confirmed, the reviews are out. There are two of the songs from the Disney yes. movie are in this. The two st- songs that everyone remembers from the yeah. Disney movie. So, I Want to Be Like You, and that is sung by Christopher Walken. I Want to Be Like You. But done by Christopher Walken. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Bare Necessities, done by Bill Murray. <laughs> 
And here's the thing I want to say. This movie, it started going out for press. It has gotten universally glowing reviews. Sure, yeah. Like, also, so, it can be a very good movie and also a very perplexing movie that got made. So, like, I will probably see it because the reviews have been so good. It's just not what I was expecting because it looks so bizarre in every way to me. Yeah. It really does. It's like, this. it seems like the nth degree parody of what Disney has done with their other live-action remakes... Because you're taking the Jungle Book, one of their more cartoony cartoons, yeah. and doing it as the super hyper photorealistic animal thing. I don't get it. Yeah, with your celebrity voice cast, that is like, and if you're casting, like, if you know you're going to take the two songs that everyone remembers from Jungle Book and put it in your new Jungle Book movie, why then do you cast like the two people that I most do not want to hear sing in the world? As those two characters, is so I can build Murray and Christopher Walken. I love Bill Murray and Christopher Walken. To death. Don't get me wrong. They're not... Like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like, get Wendell Pierce from The Wire for one of those two. I'm pretty sure he can sing, because he did it on Treme. And you could do him for Baloo, or uh, what's the, the, the orangutan, whatever his name is. Uh, Lou. Lou, okay. I'm pretty sure it's Lou. So I'm just trying oh, to think yeah. of, like, people who are mild, mildly celebrity-oriented. And I'm just, I think you could do it with other people. But yeah, the Bill Murray and Christopher Walken of it, I love both of them. Yeah. Especially Bill Murray. just doesn't make sense or to me. Or you, you know what you can just do? Like, those recordings still exist from the original movie, and they probably sound okay. Just just fucking put in bare necessities and just pipe it in and just, like, use that fucking or, recording. Or Jim Cummings is still alive. Yeah. And didn't he do Baloo in, like, Tailspin and stuff? I think so. And, I mean, he does everyone. Yeah. He voice doubled for Jeremy Irons singing in Lion King, and you can't tell who it is. Right, yeah. Um, just have Jim Cummings do these things. He's great. I, I like the idea of it just being like this really crackly audio from yeah. their Jungle Book movie. Fuck it. Uh, do Troy Baker as uh, Lou. He can sing. Yeah, like you should. I mean, that is like the truth of it is for if, like, Hollywood movies, if you want to get a really good voice cast for your animated film. Like, go mine, like, the best talent that is working on video games right now because that's, like, where all, like, the really great voice actors are. It's, yeah. like, instead of going in. It's, like, a lot of traditional, like, Hollywood film actors and stuff can do d- decent voice work. But, like, there are a bunch of actors that you know do amazing voice work. And, again, it's totally possible I will see this movie and recant all of this and say, in context, it works. It totally sure, yeah. could. Just out of context, it looks like a parody. Yeah, and you know, I will I will definitely see this, and I will come back next time we record, which I guess will be in two weeks, and talk about it. So we'll see if I have to do a mea culpa. But so far, it's one of those that in this month of April, where I'm like, this doesn't look real. Yeah, and nothing more so than Huntsman Winter's War. Have you seen the trailers for this? I don't think so. I, like, I can't tell because I feel like a movie called that came out like a hundred years ago. This is a sequel to Snow White and the Huntsman. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That I know. And if you don't remember that movie, that's because you probably saw it because it made a lot of money, but you don't remember it, which is the same with me. Like, I don't even know what... I, did, I definitely didn't see it, but I knew okay. that it existed when it came out. Snow White and the Huntsman was the movie made with Kristen Stewart as... Or Kirsten Stewart, I forget which one it is, as Snow White and Chris Hemsworth as the Huntsman, and then it had Charlize Theron as the Evil Witch. Okay. And it's an okay movie. Like it's totally, it's visually very cool. Yeah, from um, that like period that it feels like we're getting out of now, where Hollywood is like flirted with reinterpretations of fairy tale stuff. <laughs> what do you mean we're getting out of it? I Disney, like Disney has gone all in. You've got Beauty and the Beast coming up. They've got a new. They're doing all of them again. But yeah, but I feel like that's like the end of it. Like, okay. or like once that happens. It's done. Yeah. You never know. 
Yeah, I guess you never. All I'm saying, but no, that was a year where I think three different Snow White movies came out. So. Exactly. That's yeah. what it was like there was like an intensity to it at one point a couple of yeah. years ago. The and I mean, I don't remember anything bad about that Snow White movie. I just don't remember a lot memorable about it. Like I remember it was another movie where I'm like, man, Kristen Stewart is such a good actress who shouldn't be in blockbusters. Right. Like there's and there's a lot of actors like that. I'm not singling her out, but there's some actors who are really good, and then you put them in the armor and everything, and. That's just not what they're good at or I think they're interested in. Right. Um, and if you see Kristen Stewart in anything else besides Twilight, she's a really good actress. And then you put her in that stuff and I just think she doesn't – you can tell she's like uncomfortable. Like that's not what she wants to be doing. So anyway, it's that. It's Chris Hemsworth right around the time he was getting famous for Thor. Charlize Theron at the height of her kind of comeback, I guess. Right. Um, and all that stuff. And again, all I remember really is the creepy thing about the movie, which is it has the seven dwarves. But instead of casting dwarf actors, right. they cast tall people and digitally imposed their heads on actual dwarves, and it was the creepiest fucking thing. It was the creepiest. What? Like, clearly, they had dwarves on set, like with Kristen Stewart and Chris Hemsworth. Right. But then they took, like, you know, real tall people and put their heads on the real little people. And I, all you're thinking is that. Peter Dinklage just won an Emmy for Game yeah, of Thrones. Exactly. Like, this is more offensive than ever before. Yeah, it's like, it, there's like, I feel like there's two different directions you could have gone with that. It's like cast actual dwarf actors like the great Peter Dinklage, or Lord of the Rings was not that fucking long ago. It's and like, the Hobbit it's, was the same yeah, time. It's like, it's not like it's some mystery how to shoot a movie to make like. Actors look like they're shorter than they are, and somehow, when you have like these clear, obvious two paths right in front of you, they decided to just like cut through the brush and go like hard right and be like, ah, fuck it. Like, let's just like CGI can just make everything work. Like, you can just do anything with CGI and make it convincing, Jonathan. So, let's just hack together these insane Frankenstein monster characters where you take one actor's head, put it on another actor's body. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and it like it gave me nightmares. It was fucking scary. That sounds great. I really want to watch this movie. Because they were they were recognizable actors too. I don't remember who was the lead dwarf, who was like Doc or whatever. Right. But man, it creeped me the fuck out because you just at least like with the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, they didn't you know take like fucking Will Smith and make him a dwarf. Like, they took people who you hadn't really seen before, so well, when they're I, short, it's not a huge problem. Now that you've made that, I have to feel like I have to make the follow-up joke. I'm obligated to say, welcome to Middle-Earth. <laughs> oh, I feel like we should end the podcast there. Yeah. I okay. want to see Roland Emmerich's Lord of the Rings. Oh my god. I don't. I really don't. I don't think I could take that after the it's, Hobbit movies being that disappointing. I don't think. Basically, it would be, Sean, Will Smith would deliver that line. He's Frodo. It would be after they kill Sharky at the Scouring of the Shire. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, what's Saruman. Saruman. And it would be Welcome to Middle-Earth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Snow White and the Huntsman, it was an okay movie. It was like a solid B. You're not probably going to sure, remember yeah. it. But you didn't regret going to the movie. It was a yeah, good. It wasn't a Batman v Superman. No, it was a totally like I, I think it must have come out in 2011 or 12 because I saw it with my dad. And that he, sounds about right. And he died in 2012, so obviously it have to be before that. Yeah. Um, and we enjoyed. It was like that was fine. That was kind of it. And um, 
And it made okay money, but not enough to like immediately justify a sequel. So what they've done, and this is the weirdest franchisification of anything I've ever seen, is they've got a new movie called The Huntsman, Winter's War, which, as I understand it, the first half is a prequel, the second half is a sequel, and it's about the Chris Hemsworth character, but a bunch of other lore stuff, even though the lore of this universe is not anywhere near rich enough to justify that. It's fucking Snow White. What do you mean it's like a prequel and a sequel? It's just Snow White. They built it up a little bit. In the, sure, but yeah. you see my point, right? Yes. Like, don't try to build some epic fantasy universe around Snow White. Just make your own goddamn fantasy world. Especially because, so Kristen Stewart is not in this. It's She's not in it at all. Right. It's a different director. And there was the whole thing when that movie came out. Kristen Stewart was having an affair with the director, and that was ah. a tabloid thing. So they fired both of them. Kind of sexistly, whatever. Sure, um, yeah. Because at first they were just going to fire Kristen Stewart and they realized that would look really bad, yeah. so we need a new director. Anyway, um, so there's that, and it's got Charlize Theron back, who of course dies at the end of the first movie because she's the villain. It's not a spoiler, you've seen yeah. Snow White. It's Snow White. Dies. Yeah. So I guess she must just be in the first half, but then it's got two other female characters, one played by Emily Blunt and one played by another cool actress, and I don't remember who it is. I just know it's a cool cast. But, uh, no, it's Jessica Chastain. There we go. Okay. Um, yeah. Somehow they she's wrote... Cool. She's definitely... She's really cool. She's cool. She also never appears in Blockbuster, so I yeah, don't know true. how they got her into this one. But anyway, so I don't really... And I don't really... If you watch the trailers, I even with my limited memory of the first movie, I don't really see how it fits in. But the funniest thing is just like, you made a movie called Snow White and the Huntsman. Fine. Now you're marketing like the Huntsman spinoff because that's the character everyone wanted yeah. to see more of. You know, you watch the Disney movie back in the day. It's like, I need a franchise about him played by Chris I mean, Hemsworth. Obviously, like, the Huntsman was the Jack Sparrow of the Snow White movies. Like, everyone knows that. <laughs> that, like, really remarkable, memorable character, the Huntsman. But in their pop culture immediately. At least in the pirate sequels, they didn't rename it Jack Sparrow yeah. on Stranger Tides or something. Give them a few more years, man. They'll get there. They'll get there eventually. I know. Johnny Depp will be fucking 70 and crippled, but they'll get there. No, so just like everything about this movie is so confusing, especially because they're marketing it like it's a franchise we all love, when in fact there's been one movie that people went, eh? And it's like, it's so bizarre. It really does seem like someone looked at these stupid things Hollywood does for sequels and made a parody trailer. Yeah. My favorite part about it is that, like, clearly the studio has no idea what they're doing. Because we just talked about a little bit earlier with the Star Wars trailer about, like, naming your film and, like, putting, like, franchise hooks and stuff into your movie. That's, like, so common in Hollywood practice because it makes a lot of sense if you're going to, like, make a movie you want in the title the, like, distinguishing thing, like, Marvel's blah, 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 or Star Wars, blah, 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 like, the thing that people know about that movie is that it was that Snow White movie, not that it was that Huntsman movie that had Thor in it. Like, nobody (laughs) knows that. So why market your new movie around the Huntsman character? Even if it's, like, I get Snow White's not in the movie, you can still call it, like, Snow White's the Huntsman. They (laughs) call it the the Bourne Legacy, the Bourne Legacy. Jason Bourne's not in it. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Like, even if it's a shitty movie and a shitty idea, you should at least have the savvy to say, let's fucking market it for our franchise, goddammit. Let's not just put it out there to die like a bunch of idiots. It's this ongoing mistake in Hollywood also that 
stars sell movies, which is really not the case anymore. Yeah. Um, like, Chris Hemsworth is a star. People love him. But he, on his own, I don't think sells a movie. Most people don't. I think don't. He, he traffics a lot heavier as being Thor than right. as Chris Hemsworth. That's what right? I'm He's not Tom Hanks. Yeah. Characters and franchises sell movies. The Huntsman is not a character anyone knows. Yeah. You know, it's it's why Tom Cruise still has great success in Mission Impossible, but Jack Reacher didn't break the bank. Right, yeah. And I'm, I haven't seen point. Jack Reacher. I heard it was a good movie. I have nothing against it. I'm just, it kind of flopped, and, and that's because I think people like Tom Cruise, but we're also to a point where people like franchises and stuff. Like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence, obviously one of the most popular actresses in existence. Yeah. But I don't think she's the reason the recent X-Men movies have done well, and they've marketed the crap out of her being in them. Yeah. But I don't think that's really... And they've clearly even like like written yes. like clearly knowing her popularity as an actress now. Yeah, if you compare her role in First Class to Days of Future Past. Yeah. And Days of Future Past did better, but I think that was because of the overall marketing of it being an X-Men event rather than the Jennifer Lawrence movie. Yeah, and then if you're looking at the trailers for X-Men Apocalypse, like all of a sudden it seems like it is the like Professor X, Magneto, and Mystique movie all of a sudden. Which I'm pretty damn sure it isn't based on what we know of the plot. Yeah, but like <laughs> there's like a couple of really prominent shots of her that's like like, oh, yeah. like where she's like bringing everyone together and like getting ready to like go out and fight. Yeah, so it's it's a strange time in Hollywood and it creates like I say these trailers that seem like parodies. Speaking of which, Ratchet and Clank, the movie. Right. This is a real thing, Sean. It's yeah, actually coming on, out. I keep on forgetting because it's like they're making that game that's sort of a pseudo remake of the first one. Yeah. And they're also coming out with this movie. And I keep and on I keep, forgetting that they're both happening. It's not one or the other. The bigger issue is I see trailers and stuff for them. I can't tell one apart from the other. Yeah. Like the animation in the movie looks no better than anything in a video game. So it's just like... It, it is like... And maybe it could be good. Ratchet and Clank is fun. But I don't know yeah. why you would make a movie out of it of all video game properties. Yeah, that seems like it would be more fitting if you wanted to make like a TV show or something. Like a cartoon that was Ratchet and Clank. Like that seems like that could be pretty good. Yeah, that could be yeah. fun. So that one just seems... And nothing is as bad as those Angry Birds trailers. I don't oh know. My oh my god. god. Have we never... We haven't talked about that on the fucking podcast, but... That is that is the most parody trailer that's not a parody trailer. Because it was. It was like, that rooster- was that the Rooster Teeth short that they made like years ago that got them like really popular because it had like millions of views on YouTube. Yeah. It's like it, it's like that's how like old that fucking idea is. That's from like 2011 or something that they made. And that. the Rooster Teeth thing is legitimately a better trailer and idea for a movie than what they actually did. Yeah. Instead, like it's like it's obviously it has no connection to the game because how would it? It's just like People recognize the Angry Birds like bird and the pigs, so we're going to put that in the movie, I guess. And there's something about like someone like peeing into a fountain. I, that's all I remember. It was the it was the crassest of crass kids entertainment. Yeah. It's just awful. I, I do like that. I think we're getting to a point where kids entertainment, the cream is rising to the top, and the crap is failing. Yeah, hard. we're out from the Smurf and Alvin yeah. the Chipmunks movie era. It's like I mean, Zootopia is going to gross more than Batman yeah. v Superman, which is great because Zootopia is a great movie, so we can feel a little good about that. And um, there's no like live action component to the Angry Birds movie. You can at least say that they're smart enough not to fucking put Neil Patrick Harris in it as God. Neil Patrick Harris and not voicing a character. Right. So anyway, uh, there's that. That's coming in May though. And yeah, then the Angry last Birds one movie. is the new Gary Marshall movie. That's called Mother's Day, and it's like that's the ultimate of because they've done the, the like the Valentine's Day and the New Year's Day and all this like series of yeah. basically anthology romance movies that look like the worst things ever made. Where it's a bunch of stars get together and just hang out, going on vacation, and they film them. 
and it's just shit. But like doing one called Mother's Day, that feels like the fake trailer. Yeah. Where it's like it really should be like a dude falling in love with his mother and it's super creepy, but they yeah. present it as like a romantic comedy. And I don't think that's what this movie is. But this is also one that just I look at it and I'm like, that's not is that real? I legitimately want to know, is that a real movie? Or do I go to the theater, pay my twenty bucks, sit down with my popcorn, and it's just someone flips off the screen at the beginning of the movie and says, Fooled you and then it's just black screen for <laughs> yeah. two hours. But like I feel like like there's one other movie that's not quite coming out yet, but it just has this quality to me is Finding Dory. That also yeah, feels I, like 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 and and I feel like Pixar has been like on this train for a little bit because Monsters University had the same feel to me of like I can't tell if this is either a a like parody or b like a ten minute like one of their ten minute shorts that's at the beginning of another Pixar movie or a special on their DVD like. It's, hey, like, let's see, like, what Sully and Mike were up to in, when they were in college. Or, hey, the Dory was a popular character and she's stupid, so what if she got lost? And it's the joke, because it's like Finding Nemo, but it's Finding Dory. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, let's just make those into full movies. Like, I know that it's like, hey, Pixar's amazing. Like, then they, like, make these incredible, like, original IP movies that, like, have no connection to anything else. And then all of a sudden they just decided, no, fuck it. Like, let's just franchise everything we've got. It's Finding Dory really does fall into this to me too because and it's like the Jungle Book. I have every confidence it could be good. Like if anyone can make a good movie, it's Pixar. Finding Dory could be great, but that title is so stupid. Yeah. And the initial marketing, they haven't really done a full trailer yet, but the teasers I've seen are awful. They are some of the worst marketing Pixar has ever put out. Yeah. And I agree with you on Monsters University. That's totally what it seemed like. And I know you think it's a good movie because I haven't seen it. It's a really good movie. I think it's... There is a scene in Monsters University. The last 20 minutes is some of the best 20 minutes Pixar has ever done. And I will go to the mat for it. It also has the funniest parody of college orientation I've ever seen. So... And I think in the middle it's kind of fine. Sure, But it's not amazing. Um, So it's way better than it needed to be. And that's why I'm thinking Finding Dory could be the same thing. There aren't untalented people working at Pixar, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it does feel like... Could you make it seem a little less crass than it actually is, guys? You know, like, again, fi- calling it Finding Dory is where it sounds, it's it's the effect of, like, the Huntsman or something, where, yeah. yeah, I know Dory was the popular character, but that just sounds really pandering. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, hey, aren't you looking forward in, like, four years to their hit new movie, Outside In? <laughs> where all the, and I never saw Inside Out, so I know nothing about that movie other than it's about, like, the emotions of this little girl that, like, personified so I, this might happen in Inside Out, but my idea for Outside In is that all the emotions get projected out into the real world, and now they have to solve some sort of like global mystery involving some sort of like company that's destroying trees. That's my like so the, it's the it's, it's, it's very it's very brief. It's very like I don't know like I'm not going into details, but that's my idea for how you how you franchise Inside Out. It's so funny because it is the Pixar effect is they make as you say these great original IP things, and they're so original. That you really can't do effective sequels off them. Yeah. And so you get, you know, uh, Monsters University. Yeah. And you get Finding Dory. Dory. And you get Outside In, which I don't think will actually happen, but it could, you know? Yeah. Inside Out made a billion fucking dollars. You could do it. And then there's, like, the one to me also that people forget about, because technically Disney Toons made it, is Planes. The sequels <laughs> to Cars. Yeah, right. <laughs> they, yeah. they made like two the- of those. It wasn't with that. Wasn't it supposed to be directed DVD, but didn't it actually get yes. a theatrical release? God. Both of them. What world do we live in, Justin? That's crazy. Starring everyone's favorite children's comedian, Dane Cook. (laughs) 
Dane Cook was the plane. So apparently, like, Cars movies are where really bad hack comedians go to die, right? Yes. Yeah. Because what is Larry the Cable Larry Guy, Larry right? The cable He's guy, in yeah. the Cars movies, yeah. So. Oh, man. And we've got, again, on the horizon for Pixar, you have Finding Dory, Cars 3, Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4. I'm guessing at least two of those will be good. You can guess. You get, which... you get down. Can't forget that sequel. <laughs> up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot less exciting because it's just a, a house that's on the ground. <laughs> it's like it's there's no real quality of adventure to it. It's an old man who doesn't know. It's a young man who doesn't go on an adventure. Yeah, he just sits in his house and plays video games. <laughs> it's an avant-garde film. Yeah. It's a slow zooming on his face as he eats Cheetos and plays a game. And it's all in black and white and there's like some like French music or something playing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. What's the sequel to Ratatouille? I, that one's a lot harder to do. Massapui. <laughs> I meant like maybe the plot. I don't know. Oh, like I didn't fucking see Ratatouille. It's about like a rat and a chef, and they make stuff, right? Yeah. So it's about a, a chef and a mouse, and they make a chef goes into the mouse world and makes. Food. Yes, yeah. He gets shrunk down. He gets shrunk down, and he has to learn to cope and live in rat society now. Yeah, that's what the sequel. Is. Okay. This is. I like this this game of have me come up with sequel plots to Pixar movies that I never fucking saw. It's uh, <laughs> great. All right, you should see Ratatouille. I think that's their best. Yeah, one. like I'm sure all these movies are good. Like I don't yeah. see, not see them out of spite, just like not uh, just but, out of not opportunity. It just is funny. The further we go into the franchise minded territory, the more it just seems like bad jokes. Yeah, and I mean, not everything I named here was a franchise, but. Four of them were. So, yes, most of them were a franchise. And if you consider Melissa McCarthy to just be a brand at this point... Sure, yeah. They kind of all are. So, it's really crazy to me just how I... At a certain point... And, and none of these... I, I don't know how much these are really going to do well. Like, Jungle Book has really good reviews. That will probably do well. I think Huntsman is going to bomb hard. Oh, God, yeah. No one's, I can't believe they're making that movie. No one's going to see that Ratchet and Clank movie. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's been a long time since Ratchet and Clank like, were that popular either. Right. So, and I, at their height of their popularity, if everyone who'd ever played one of those games went and saw the movie, it would bomb hard. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I don't see the upside to a lot of this. Finding Dory will probably make a billion dollars. Yeah, but, it's Pixar. Yeah, so, I don't know. I, it all confuses me at a certain point because we know you can do better. Yeah. Like, uh, it's amazing. You have to give Marvel credit for being this far along, and they haven't made a movie that looks like a parody of something else yet. Exactly, yeah. But they're, they're smart in terms of, like, expanding out their franchises instead of, like, making a billion Iron Man movies right in a row. Yeah. yeah. It's like you're getting stuff like Ant-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Which are self-aware of that they look silly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Man, I mean, DC got their movie, too, with looking like a parody of itself. Yeah. Man... Alright, well, this is it for this week. We're going to move on and record our Uncharted episode, but I think that's just some good ramblings for yeah. a couple hours. Yeah, good to get it out of the way. And, like, I seriously, though, that outside-in idea, I'm putting my chips down. I think they're going to make that. At least I think a movie, they're going to make a movie or a short that has that title. I don't know if the plot's going to be the exact same, but I think it would be. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm betting on it. It could absolutely be a short if they make a feature-length movie out of it, Pete Docter, the director, will kill himself because yeah. he seems like—is it Pete Docter doing that? Yeah, yeah it's Pete Docter. He seems like the most the person at Pixar with maybe the most creative integrity. So he's the no. only one who hasn't—he's the only one of the originals who's never dipped into sequel territory. Is all I'll say. So hey, Jonathan, there's a first time for everything, man, and that money—that money tastes real, real sweet. <laughs>